tear down this wall. And all of a sudden I heard them shoot at it. Patria o muerte! You're listening to the Interzine Podcast. We're your hosts, Victoria Jones and Melania Pajonka. Mitra Kutub is an independent human rights researcher and consultant. Previously a lecturer at Kabul University, Mitra is now based in London, where she works as a reporter for Afghanistan International and covers topics including Afghan politics, women's rights, and Taliban ideology. So how did you first get to know Mitra? I think I uh, found a paper or article that she co-wrote with somebody about women's rights under the Taliban, and it was recently released after the takeover. It was, I think it was posted on an LSC website. Mm -hmm. And then I saw she was based in London. So first I reached out to her and we actually interviewed her on the other podcast I produce, (laughs) which is called Deep Dive for NATO. Low plug. (laughs) Yeah, shameless plug. You should listen to it. Deep Dive, NATO, Deep Dive. Subscribe. Thank you. Um, Subscribe to this one as well. (laughs) Yes, of course. That goes without saying. And yeah, so that was when I first met Mitra and we did a Zoom call and it was like really great talking to her. So I asked her if she would also like to come on our podcast, which she gratefully did. Yeah. Um, I also feel like this is good to have someone um, personally affected by the rule of Taliban because obviously a law has been written about the withdrawal uh, but I just feel it's always good to hear from people directly involved with I agree I was wondering if we could sort of start with the western withdrawal from Afghanistan Um, I wanted to ask, what was your reaction when you saw on the news everything that was happening, the chaos of the collapse? We thought we came 20 years and then we we were back to this point we had started in 2001. And it was very unexpected. People were somehow living their normal lives, for example, in Kabul. They were attending jobs, universities. People had thought that... Um, there might not be another regime change and people didn't expect that the Taliban would take over again and they were expecting some sort of peace deal and then the war, but it came as a shock that the international forces withdrew from Afghanistan and they abandoned the people of Afghanistan to an internationally recognized terrorist group. Do you think that there was a way to win the unwinnable war if there was some kind of change in strategy or what do you think would have been the best approach to maintain a lower presence of troops or change strategy or some other alternative? I think a change of strategy would have helped and I also believe, um, I mean, from all the evidence that the international community, especially the biggest ally of Afghanistan, the the US, they they could reach a certain um settlement that would have been for the benefit of people of Afghanistan as well. But they, they they only cared about their own deal with the Taliban and not the uh, peace deal between the, the intra-Afghan talks that were going on, that was going on uh, between the government of Afghanistan and the Taliban group. 
Um, I also think that the negotiating team of Afghan government failed, failed the people of Afghanistan, they failed the um, international community somehow, and they couldn't get to, to a um, proper settlement that would have ended the war. And that would also be for the benefit of people of Afghanistan because we don't want we don't want any more victims. Mm-hmm. What was public opinion like in Afghanistan surrounding the war, and did it change over time? Do you mean the the twenty years ago? Mm-hmm. Well, um, people of Afghanistan, I mean, we 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 have not experienced peace uh, since since years now, like forty uh, four decades, forty years, and now forty plus years of war um people had thought that it might change people thought that there might be some sort of peace people thought that they are going to get rid of the suicide bombings and they are going to get rid of the um systematic killings uh, all the uh, targeted killings that the Taliban uh, organization were carrying out against the people and the bombings and everything they were expecting the government do more and however the government was extremely corrupt extremely um negligent um but at the same time people had got used to that sort of kind of life somehow however the situation was getting worse the leadership the government was not uh, able to deter the attacks they were not very successful in their peace talks with the taliban and uh, the the poverty rate was going up the insecurity was raising uh, but uh, people did not expect that the taliban would come back and they did not especially expect that the president would flee and leave the country to the hands of the this this group and that that came as a shock and worse than that there there in the past 20 years a new generation had formed they didn't experience the taliban my generation did but the ones who were born after me, like 2001, 2002, they didn't know what are the Taliban. And however, they had experienced war as well, but they didn't really know what this group is, who this group is. And it came as something very new for them, for the, for the one who was born like in 2000 and now 2021, like 21 years old. Um, I think that came as a shock for them. Because this new generation were more positive. They thought that, okay, they can go to school, they can study, they can go to university. However, despite the the bombings and suicide bombings and everything, but there was this kind of, you know, thought that uh, the things might change, the things, things might get better. Unfortunately, it came as a shock. I actually have a question um, regarding just the kind of image that Taliban has uh, in Afghanistan. What does the public support for Taliban look like? Because obviously there's a lot of people against it, but how does it, how, how is it kind of forming uh, support around its rule um, past the withdrawal? Uh, it's, it's interesting to see that uh, the, the people are seeing the Taliban members or fighters, fighters on the street who, who don't even speak any of the languages spoken in Afghanistan, they speak sometimes a different language. Uh, they, they sometimes speak Pashto, but like not that type of Pashto that you know uh, we knew. Uh, but I mean, 
People, the ordinary people of Afghanistan, of course, do not support the Taliban because they are a very uh, harsh, cruel uh, group, which uh, they are also, uh, I mean, recognized terrorist group. Uh, but th- there are certain people who are supporting this ideology of the Taliban because Afghanistan is a very conservative country. And this thing... Uh, of growing support, uh, mostly in, in, in not the ur- urban areas, mm. uh, have been growing probably for the past uh, decades, and uh, there have there are some some supporters. But I think that ordinary people of Afghanistan wouldn't support. There have not been surveys. There have been very little surveys or kind of asking people if they support or not. But not everyone has access to all these services, so people. So we we exactly know of how many percent mm-hmm. do support the Taliban, how and and who do not support. But I remember there was a survey by the UN, if I'm not wrong, and of course the Taliban, uh, they had support somehow in the first um, when they ruled from '96 to 2001, because people thought that this group is going to bring peace and stability to the country after the civil war. Um, but then this support uh, grew less and they didn't, they had very, very little support. I don't exactly remember the um, the percentage, but mm-hmm. the, that was the 2019 survey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I can, I can share later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I was wondering if you could talk to us a bit about the memories that you or maybe your family have about the first Taliban regime and how that compares to what you're seeing now with the new regime? So I, I, I am a, a child of war. <laughs> I was born in 1991, like end of 1991. And it was the peak of the uh, internal conflict or the civil war in Afghanistan. And then later the Taliban came. My first encounter with this group, with the people were when they were, it was when they, um, when they were beating women to women. I was very young, like I think I was five. And they were beating two women for not covering their faces and for wearing lipstick. And I, my mom had to wear a burqa and she had to cover her face. She had to leave her job and everything. Uh, we were not allowed to go to school. I attended secret schools, these hidden schools, home schools. Um, that 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 time, I, I mean, uh, all the girls, they, they they did not even have have access to such schools like I did. I was kind of privileged that I didn't lose those five years, um, and I could just you know go on to the sixth grade after the Taliban left. Um, I. From what I remember, there are lots of memories. You know, uh, the, the I carry the trauma of this uh, regime with me till now, and I'm sure the people who are my age at that time and they have seen this them um, ruling the country, they they might carry the same trauma, and it felt even worse because we have seen them and we knew how cruel they are and how hostile they are towards the people, the ordinary people. And I don't see any difference because they, the degree of uh, uh, cruelty, the degree of be them being uh, super conservative and extremist towards women, uh, it's getting worse. It was bad, of course, it's getting worse and there's no difference between the first Taliban and the second Taliban. 
mm-hmm. from what some 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 people who are kind of lobbying for them in the West and and among the international community they have not changed. They said that we have changed. They said lots of statements that they're going to change their approach towards women, towards the people of Afghanistan. But uh, from what we have seen, I mean, we have witnessed that the strategy. The approach and the ideology has not changed, but it's got worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, that's actually a question that we had for you uh, was about the situation of, of women and minorities right now under the second Taliban rule. And what is the reality day to day for women uh, under the Taliban rule um, at the moment? Uh, well, unfortunately, when they uh, took over Kabul in August, Uh, they started uh, with reposing, imposing restrictions on women. They started with that. Schools got closed. Women were not allowed to go to the work from the very first month. And the list of restrictions posed on women, it's getting longer day by day. And the world is getting shocked and surprised every day for what they are, for the new orders and regulations. Um The, the activists they had to flee the country. They there are lots of protest women who came out on the streets and they protested. They were detained. They were tortured. They disappeared. Some of them are still disappear have uh, still disappeared, and the family don't know where they are. Um, especially those who were kind of known to the people, or they were activists, or they emerged as new activists for women's rights, and they demanded the right for education, the right for work. And they demanded uh, that they should have their own like economic independence that, you know, they had before and they were breadwinners for their families. They they, they, they faced the oppression, they faced detention, torture, disappearance, um, and the situation gets worse. Taliban are looking to vanish women's faces from the public, from the world, like the last uh, decree that they ordered women should f- cover their faces. And even they were not allowed to appear on TV with their faces uncovered, which really, really made the international community and the people of Afghanistan hopeless because this the Taliban were all looking for recognition. And the recognition is uh, the condition for being recognized is to, to observe and to respect the human rights and the women's rights in Afghanistan. But they are not taking any steps toward any steps towards that. They are taking steps against that. They are posing even more restrictions on women. And uh, this gets even worse. I think that the Taliban have taken women of Afghanistan, half of the population, as hostage to impose their what they want, to impose their wishes to the international community but in, uh, or, 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 or asking to, to release the, the funds. Uh, okay, if you release the funds, we will do this. If you release the funds, and they have only taken the women as hostage, because I think if it's not the women, Taliban don't have anything for the governance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very very interesting, uh, because I, I wanted to ask about the resistance, because obviously the degree of violence is is quite radical. And has it imp- how are the resistant movements going? Because you're saying that there are female activists being arrested, disappeared. Uh, is the is the resistance going stronger? Is it dwindling in the face of kind of such radical um, cl- clashes? 
um, uh, clash on them. Yeah. Well, well, uh, there is there are there have been resistant groups or resistant fronts fronts. Uh, emerged against the Taliban uh, but they are, they are they're restricted in some certain cities in the north like Panjshir and in Baglan um, but there are very little resistance um, uh, around the country they are not mobilized uh, what I would I mean what I've been observing is that uh, they haven't come under a certain or one uh, united uh, leadership mm-hmm. And they are not mobilized. Uh, there are some small, sometimes small guerrilla attacks against the Taliban. Uh, but sometimes there are like heavy fightings going on, as we see in the media from the National Resistance Front uh, spokesperson and the videos they are posting that they have um, that they have beaten the Taliban in this area or that area. Um, uh, I quite. No, I'm not sure if the resistance is getting better, bigger. I really hope so. But of course, they need support. They need to be mobilized. They need to be more coordinated in order to um, kind of uh, uh, win again another war. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but we don't know. It's very uncertain um, if if any. If if they get any support, where they get support from, or or are they going to be limited to some you know guerrilla attacks, uh, small attacks, or or bigger ones? But they are claiming that they have had lots of gains. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it also uh, it also shows that there have been gains because in the past weeks, since there have been fighting in Panjshir, lots of Taliban leaders have traveled to that city. And this would also show that there might have been um, lots of uh, uh, Taliban casualties in that city where they are trying to, um, you know, uh, end their the resistance or they're trying to control it. Um, the media in Afghanistan do not report much about it because the media is under the control of the Taliban now. The freedom of uh, press, freedom of media, uh, they, after, after, after 15th of August, all of them are under the, um, they, they, they've been very much limited and restricted. So we don't really know uh, how they are going to uh, control the resistance. And the Taliban leaders have always denied that there's nothing going on, everything is fine, but, but it's not like that. Ah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, In the 2019 Doha talks, one of the stipulations in the agreement was that the Taliban would cut ties with terrorist groups and not allow the country to be used as a safe haven for these kind of actors. Um, Have they upheld that promise? Well, um, um, I mean, in 2001, the the Taliban, the, the reason the U.S., actually intervened in Afghanistan was Taliban's affiliation with Al-Qaeda. And however, as much as the Taliban say that uh, they do not have any affiliations with Al-Qaeda anymore, but these very old ties with the group uh, still uh, exist. And uh, as I I mean, Al-Qaeda were that group usually existed in the border between Afghanistan and Pakistan. And these two groups, they had very close ties, according to some researchers. They have had family relationships and ties. Like also, they have been inspired from each other. When the Taliban took over, the leader of them, they congratulated the Taliban and uh, for, 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 for what they've achieved. Um, also, um, the... Uh, 
international community the countries the, the powerful countries in the world such as the US they've also they have they are uh, expressing some um, the, the concerns of the relationship of Taliban with al-Qaeda even if they do not have a direct relationship with them but but i i think that the um, not only al-Qaeda but others other terrorist groups around the world uh, they have been inspired and they are like uh, uh, you know thinking about the, the the achievement that the Taliban had and this might also encourage those other groups to uh, attempt to more uh, uh, what it's called um, maybe uh, attacks or or activities more activities in uh, around the world such as the Boko Haram or al-Shabaab all these groups they might have been inspired from them and learned from the Taliban okay and they thought they won and they took over the country, they might also be able to do that. So um, this will also create some sort of concern and also tensions for other countries, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've definitely seen on some extremist accounts celebrations of the Taliban's victory, even by people that are not necessarily affiliated with Afghanistan at all, but seem to fit into their narrative of yeah. wider movement of these kind of groups. And I also was wondering, could you tell us a bit about what characterizes the Taliban's ideology, especially for listeners who may not be familiar with that exactly? Um, okay, so the Taliban's ideology is a an, an extreme uh, Sunni sect of Islam. They uh, adhere to the Diobandi school of thought, which is an, ex- uh, an extreme interpretation of Sharia. They are against any innovation. They are against women's uh, meaningful participation outside the house. Um, and they are against any, any type of women being outside. Uh, they don't believe in that. And they, all, I mean, also they believe in re. Um, co- co- constituting or making the Islamic uh, Emirate uh, or the Caliphate uh, as I mean ISIS not not only these I mean all the in extremist groups they have this in common and they all want a pure Islamic uh, based on Sharia regimes that uh, which is different from today's world you know uh, it, it's it's a very extreme type of uh, um, uh, interpretation from Islamic Sharia. The Taliban, how um, I mean, in contrast, are very poorly tutored in Islam and in Islamic Sharia. They have not produced any uh, Islamic manifesto or or that would you know base their perspectives on. Uh, so all I can say is that uh, they are inspired and they uh, they adhere to the Diobandi school of thought, which is a very extreme version of Sunni Islam. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what do you think is going to be the future of Afghanistan? Do you think there's a, a the media and, and the kind of general public is slowly forgetting about and just kind of writing off as a as a lost cause because it is it's just um yeah the media coverage kind of have been dwindling but for uh these kind of extreme things like recently the the covering of, of um women presenters and on T V. Um and do you do you think there's a uh, 
there can be like a turnaround in terms of kind of like global interventionism or kind of like global reaction to um, what's happening in Afghanistan? Uh, or do you think that the kind of Western world has, has completely kind of um, uh, became... Um, kind of detached from uh, the situation? Uh, uh, somehow this actually happened when the war in Ukraine began because the whole world's attention was shifted to Ukraine war and they t- sort of forgot Afghanistan and what's happening in that. Probably it's also because of the ge- geopolit- the, 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 the location of both countries and uh, the more closer to Israel, for example, the European countries, and this is in the West. Uh, um, but in Afghanistan, they thought, okay, it's been the war has been going on since decades now Uh, and also uh, because uh, sometimes we don't get enough coverage of atrocities happening happening in Afghanistan because the Taliban have restricted the media this is also another factor that the world might not uh, might forget um, to or might not, uh, you know, provide more news or or awareness about what's happening in Afghanistan because we saw that the journalists have been beaten, they have been detained, they have been disappeared by the Taliban, the cameras have been broken by them. So this restricts the the amount of um, coverage and also awareness that should be made about the situation in Afghanistan. Uh, I really hope they don't forget because now it's up to the human rights organizations that must act advocate they mm-hmm. they they must you know uh, work together they must be united in documenting the uh, atrocities and the human rights violations that are happening and especially the role of a special rapporteur of the the human rights uh, office of the human rights is very very crucial uh, he he went he ha- he traveled to afghanistan and uh, uh, now i mean he is going to play a very important role in bringing the attention of the international community, especially the UN, to the human rights violations that are happening in Afghanistan. And hopefully the world wouldn't forget Afghanistan because uh, because we had this experience in the first uh, in the first round of Taliban period of Taliban's uh, governance and rule in Afghanistan from 1996 to 2001, that the world did not intervene until the 9-11 attack. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that was the national security and national interest and the self-defense, the rule of self-defense of the U.S. So, I'm, I mean, the people of Afghanistan would... Uh, would they are scared, okay, so... N- the the world wouldn't care anymore because there uh, might not be so much threat from them to their countries. However, um, of course, if the Taliban have ties with Al Qaeda, it's it's a big threat to the international community. If if international terrorism grows more and more, and they make uh, allies with each other, there this will be a threat. It's not going to stay limited to Afghanistan. It's going to it's going behind the region and the whole world. So mm-hmm. um, the world must understand somehow. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, could you talk a bit about your own connection to Afghanistan and how and why you came to the UK and then how you maintain your connection now and the work that you do? 
So I was born in Afghanistan. I studied in Afghanistan and uh, I worked <laughs> in Afghanistan. Uh, also, then I left as a student to Europe and I ended up in the UK. I studied human rights. The main reason that I studied human rights law was, of course, the personal experience and from from very um, personal, you know, decision that came. I mean, I always wanted to advocate for the rights of people in Afghanistan. So that's why I maintained connection. I work as a human rights researcher, uh, independent researcher as well. And with my job as a journalist uh, that I newly started, uh, I am trying to report on especially women's situation in Afghanistan. Um, that's that's part of the work I do. That, that makes me get connected uh, with the country. However, I'm not there, but the whole every day, every day I feel like I am there and there is... And, uh, and I see what's happening in, in the country. I follow what's happening in the country. We try to document it and write about it and report about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what are your strategies to kind of, um, I don't know, just gather evidence uh, and kind of working from away from the country uh, to just kind of, you know, are you, are you, is it, I'm just, I'm just uh, thinking kind of out loud because it's, it's not something that, uh, it's not the topic that I'm entirely familiar with. But to what, what extent, for example, does open source intelligence play a role in documenting talent? Because we know that like uh, around the, the, I don't know, some war crimes in, in Syria and, and yeah. Ukraine was making a lot of headlines. Um, but uh, I'm just wondering if it, if it's been a tool of resistance uh, being applied in Afghanistan since the American withdrawal, as in like just kind of are there organizations that are like documenting uh, the crimes based on the, the the social media content being shared mm-hmm. around um, from within the country, basically. Um, I think there are organizations that are working on it, such as the Human Rights Watch or Inter- uh, Amnesty International and some other organizations in a, in a sm- smaller groups. Um, uh, the, the, there is also the challenge of uh, access to information. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we will. I mean, if you're a media, a big media outlet, so you might have lots of connection. Everyone will approach you and send you uh, footage. However, the Taliban, um, they had, there was reports that they have, uh, prohib- they have um, banned and prohibited watching Afghanistan International, for example. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's a. Uh, uh, or like like that, it came on the news the other day, and it was uh, quite interesting. Uh, but it's not only that one, but other organizations they have been trying to document. Uh, at, at least I think, if, even from that small uh, amount of information that we get, if we try to raise awareness, because even that um, sometimes. Uh, very graphic, very, uh, I mean, still people are trying very hard to uh, take videos uh, and share it on social media uh, so that the world is aware. Uh, I mean, the Taliban, what would be the last step? Because they tried to close Facebook, they tried to close uh, other social media um, channels. Uh, YouTube was another one in in one of the cities in one of the provinces. Sorry, I think this is a. I mean, even the this is internet is at stake because what would be the next step? But people are still trying to uh, document it and send it and share it on social media. But at some points, it it gets 
it reaches to the hands of those who are documenting. But we also, I mean, there have been lots of misinformation as well and counter-information from the Taliban-affiliated accounts because they have such a big propaganda uh, uh, channels mm-hmm. on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere. Uh, and they're getting even more because uh, th- this this also sh- shows a shift in the approach of the Taliban and trying to change their, f- their, their image to the world because in the first ra- uh, period of their the rule in Afghanistan, they banned any type of media, but now they are using the media and the social media and the internet to uh, implement their propaganda uh, and, and to, you know, uh, to, to, and reach to a wider... Um, audience mm-hmm. um, it's it's interesting to see that they have come to believe in that but this but they have taken inside the country under their own control of access to information or, or access to the media mm-hmm. mm. could you talk a little more about something you mentioned earlier which was the secret schools that you attended do you think these kinds of institutions are going to pop up again or have we not reached that point like what's the kind of current status on education right now under the new regime especially for girls uh, so w- when the Taliban took over they closed the schools and then they allowed the girls and up to the grade of six to go to school but the um, secondary schools are closed to the girls the Taliban uh, kind of um, uh, reversed from their decision to open the high- secondary schools and high school to the girls uh, in the, in March which really uh, uh, shocked the world the people and it was really such a tragic day that the girls were turned home um because they um they didn't want to the the taliban's vice and virtue ministry and the education ministry and all their officials they didn't want the girls they they, they didn't allow the schools to reopen uh when i was um uh, the first period of uh, taliban's regime in 1996 to 2001 there were uh, some uh, yeah secret schools that i got education in there have been others now as well. We we saw in the media, um, they they even risked their own security and they appeared on the media and interviewed and said that they have these home schools, um, uh, that they, they that the students are attending, uh, the the girls of grade of six, seven and uh, beyond, they are attending and studying. Uh, because you know the country has changed it's changed a lot for the past 20 years people all want to study there have been courses there everywhere and uh, especially in bigger cities I don't want to say that the situation was very ideal before the Taliban took over it wasn't ideal especially for women but there were some some progress there we can see now that women got more aware of their rights that's why they came on the streets even the small children like the the students school students they came on the street the day the next day they closed the the school doors to them they came all out on the streets and protested to open their school but it didn't work of course but at at the same time it shows that people are have changed the uh, girls they all want to study the families want their daughters to study and that's why they have been uh, secret schools to sort of not to forget and not to stop this process of education to where the Taliban made it to stop. Uh, and th- this is something good, but at the same time tragic that 
people uh, they have they, they are restricted uh, in any way possible and they are very scared if the Taliban find out about the schools that they exist and come and close it or or beat or I don't know detain the ones who are running these schools mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm quite curious about um what is it like with uh, leaving Afghanistan under the Taliban rule? Uh, are people allowed out? Is, is Taliban controlling m- movement and, and preventing people from leaving? Uh, and, and where are people going uh, if they're trying to flee the rule, basically? Yeah, we saw the chaos at uh, Kabul airport uh, mm-hmm. in the first uh, couple of months. That Very. was that was yeah. crazy. That was insane. And uh, the Taliban, um, they have tried to stop people from leaving the country but that's also dangerous because if you stop people from uh, if you if you make barriers to legal sort of immigration um, they will find other ways to migrate such as the first countries people are thinking of leaving are the neighboring countries we uh, I don't know how many millions of people they are they 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 all want to leave and uh, but at the same time iran is deporting thousands of refugees every week um, there are lots of uh, hundreds of thousands of people who have uh, fled to pakistan to iran and the ones who managed to come uh, over evacuations to europe or to other countries okay so they did but the talib uh, and then we had another problem that the uh, uh, flights were stopped mm. uh, yeah and uh, we had another problem that the Taliban did not allow women to travel alone without the male chaperone. There was another problem. So still, it's the problem exists. People and, and we have another problem with the passport. People couldn't get passport. If you see the footage of people, everyone was looking to get the passport. It's insane. And the amount of amount of humiliation and abuse and harassment by the Taliban fighters that the people are getting when they want to get a passport out and they don't have enough passport, they said, and they were selling the passport in the black market. It's I mean, if you list all these problems, it's insane. I mean, uh, sometimes the brain stops working from, okay, which problem are we starting from? Mm. Everyone wants to flee the country because of these people. And they don't want to change. They are imposing restrictions on people, on women, every single day. The Minister of uh, uh, Prevention of Vice and uh, Promotion of Virtue, he said that their regime is everything about vice and virtue. Their regime is everything about Sharia. But how about providing service? How about making jobs? How about... Uh, uh, solving the problem with the poverty that over 90 percent of the population are starving how about the uh, uh, i mean uh, there 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 is no um, service uh, health problem sorry i just forgot the the health services they have all stopped uh, the covid i mean <laughs> we still don't, I mean, we don't know what's happening with that um lots of problems um, people, they, they don't have to go out. Where would they go? Uh, and unfortunately, they are stuck. They are stuck between a terrorist group and a world. Uh, uh, I mean, the world has abandoned them, of course. And they're stuck um, with the uh, humanitarian crisis. 
they don't have job they don't have money the banks they they gone bankrupt people's money were in the banks and they didn't get a penny lots of them uh, i mean this this catastrophe or or the the crisis that is unfolding in the country is 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 is, is very u- unique in the history we have not seen it for decades that we saw it in afghanistan unfortunately mhm yeah that's just i think that they they with afghan refugees they all i mean the ones who left they they it's not that they are in a very ideal situation however they um got rid of the terror and the, the taliban of course uh, but there are lots of them hundreds of thousands of them who left the country with one pair of clothes with they left the whole uh, the entire life uh, back, uh, in the country and uh, when they came for example to to europe uh, and then the U- ukraine crisis started uh, the countries uh, sort of forgot about afghan refugees and uh, all the attention was shifted to the ukrainian refugees i wouldn't say that they should forget about them but i mean they should be treated equally in terms of being a refugee is a refugee it shouldn't be that they are from that certain country or that if they are from or they are not or they are from europe or not or they are white or not all these uh, there are lots of uh, refugees from afghanistan for example in the uk who complain that they have still not received their documents they are still in the hotels um they are stuck between staying or going back all this but i i think there should be equal uh, amount of treatment and the, for example uh, european countries in, including the uk they they are taking uh, for example uk is taking 20000 afghan refugees but in comparison they're taking as many as much as possible ukrainian refugees yeah uh, yeah and there were reports from germany that um i think they had uh Uh, they had asked the afghan refugees or they made them leave some camps or houses and they gave it to the ukrainian refugees there were some reports of that as well uh, so there this is this the issue of being a refugee is not a crime they should be treated equally regardless of where they come from and who they are mm-hmm. mm, and the services provided to them should be equal as well mm-hmm. uh, which uh, i mean not really been and they shouldn't they shouldn't forget about both countries i think yeah yeah absolutely true um if there was any kind of common misconception or wrong idea about afghanistan especially in the west what would you say like are there any misconceptions about afghanistan and the war there and what's happening now with the taliban that you think is widely misunderstood in the rest of the world um i think uh i personally i didn't have that experience uh but uh at some points there have been some comments about the sort of culture they have and stuff uh and and that they uh, for example they came here and there were lots of uh, domestic violence and the cases of uh, uh women being uh, um, locked inside their hotel rooms and the men are socializing outside however this is these are some facts and there are there are some cases that ha- happened but I would also say that the war ruins the culture uh and especially if it's a war with an extremist group which the, and the country is extremely religious 
that uh, there is always this tendency of, uh, you know, being uh, um, attracted to that ideology or, or the thinking that uh, as a Muslim, we have to restrict our women. As a Muslim, you have to uh, be careful with your women. So, I mean, all women issue. <laughs> um, and, and at some points, there have been reports that the police wouldn't uh, kind of think that this is their culture, right? If they are locking her inside the hotel room or if they are not allowing the, the, them to attend some classes or courses or integrate into the society. I believe uh, that comes from very personal per, uh, point of view. The, the culture of Afghanistan has not been like that. The culture of people who have who are educated, who understand the religious, the religion. Um, uh, this is this is not like that. There are lots of, um, uh, I mean, every every society uh, somehow because there have been war, uh, years of war, and the culture has been ruined, and the people are not very much educated about the religion itself. The religion that they believe, whatever they believe, is mostly from the personal interpretation of some of the religious reg- rules and regulations. Um, that that that's based on that. There are lots of lots of. Uh, people who, who are not like that at the same time. Or we cannot be defined by the regime and the country. Uh, we cannot be defined by uh, lots of um, um, violence which are against women in Afghanistan. Uh, there are lots of women who are educated, who are independent. And uh, I really hope that, that, that men in Afghanistan would also educate themselves with understanding that they can uh, live shoulder to shoulder with women. Uh, at some point, at some times, I get frustrated by seeing um, or, or, or kind of, you know, uh, witnessing such misconceptions or even witnessing um, some sort of uh, stereotyping educated women of Afghanistan by, by our own people, <laughs> by our <laughs> own men. It's also sad to see. Uh, but this, this country has been in war for over four decades. So... It takes time until a generation of uh, people uh, would, you know, grow, who would think better, I think, and openly. Mm -hmm. Um, Great. Thank you very much. This was very insightful and it's very um, interesting to hear basically insider's perspective on something um, that's just like one of the big history moments we're going to be probably talking about as a a very pivotal moment in 20 years time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, thank you so much for joining us today for a conversation. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And it was (laughs) great being in your podcast today. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Interzine and you can find us on Twitter at Interzine Mag. And subscribe to the Interzine podcast, available on your favourite streaming platforms.